Okay, people. So it is time for another echo chamber. And uh, yeah, people. So today we have three films, right? Three films? Well, two films and a documentary. But we are going to start off how we always do with a look at the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 20th to the 22nd of May. So, you know, a certain big film is not in this top 10. All right. But let's get it popping with our number 10 film this week. Something we looked at at uh, Flair earlier in the year, right, and it is Benediction, right, the new film written and directed by Terence Davis, uh, starring Tom Blythe, Jack Loudon, Kate Phillips, Callum Lynch, Julian Sands, Peter Cabaldi, and more, right, our number nine film is the Stephen King adaptation Firestarter, and this is um, directed by Keith Thomas, a written screenplay by Scott Teams. Okay, so that means our number eight film, which there is no information on, is um, Bolul Buliaya. Um, yeah, obviously, I butchered the fuck out of that. But, uh, yeah, I think it is probably a Bollywood film. Um, so, yeah, if you know your bollies, then that might be the thing for you, right? Our number seven joint is the third installment of Fantastic Beats, The Secrets of a Dumbledore. So, David Yates is back. Steve Cloves and J.K. Rollins, you know what I mean? They handled the screenplay. And Mad Mickelson, Ezra Miller, Kathleen Waterstone, Judd Law, Eddie Redmayne. You know what I mean? Everyone's uh, doing their thing. So our number six joint is The Bad Guys. This is from Pierre Pithil, uh, an adaptation of a book, another one, right? Um, and it's written by Etten Cohen and Yori Brenya, starring Sam Rockwell, Mark Maron, Aquafina, Craig Robinson, Anthony Ramos, Richard Akeyedo, Zazie Beats, yummy, all, all dropping their voices on this. So at number six is the Knee Brothers new joint. That's Aaron and Adam. Adam also co-writes with Dana Fox and Oren Uzul. Right? It is starring Sandra Bullock, Chayton Chatham, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe. Right, Divine Joy Randolph, Brad Pitt, Oscar Nunez, Paddy Harrison. Yeah, all these people's doing their thing. But we are now, um, yeah, you know, out, out, you know, four remainings, right? So Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is number four this week. 
right so um jeff fowler directs john whittingham josh miller and pat casey write the screenplay we have ben schultz idris elba colleen oshunzi jim carrey james Madsen, tika sumter shamaya moore lee mongold you know what i mean at number three is a the second of a big screen adaptation of julian fellow's hit tv series at downton abbey it's directed by michael engler and you know matthew good tuppence middleton maggie smith alan leach and everyone is uh i think they're traveling stateside but at number two everything everywhere all at once the indie sci-fi that is supposedly is meant to be pretty dope right so um this is from dan kwan and daniel Schnert. they both co-wrote and co-directed it's starring michelle yu ki hu kwan um stephanie huzu James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tally Meadow, Jenny Slate, Harry Shun Jr. It's meant to be good, man. I need to check it out. But yet again, people, at number one, um, I feel this is the last week because the film that comes has come out is probably at number one right now. But this week, last week. It was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So we got Michael um, Waldron uh, on the screenplay, Sam Ramy directing, Benedict Cumberbunch, um, Benedict Wong, right? We got Chito Etwa, Elizabeth Olsen, Charlotte uh, Gomez, Michelle Schulberg. Rachel McAdams, Bruce Campbell. Man, it's a fat-ass lineup, people. It really is. So, yeah, that's the top ten. As I said, we've got two films and a documentary, right? So, um, yeah, are you ready to get into that? Well, before we do, a little bit of, you know what I mean? And then we'll jump into the reviews, people. So sit back and let's go. Okay, people, if you like a film festival, then this is something that could very well pique your interest, okay? Because Odyssey, a Chinese cinema season, is launching in the UK this May. Collaborating with Picturehouse Cinemas, the Prince Charles Cinema, and Shift 72 for your online streaming, the festival will create a hybrid experience to reach as many attendees as possible across the UK and worldwide. Named after one of the most significant works of the Western canon, Odyssey aims to offer an exciting and mysterious journey through the contemporary Sino cinematic world. Odyssey strives to empower the shared appreciation of cinema 
drive inclusiveness in the film industry and facilitate cross-cultural communication. The festival will not only introduce the latest young Chinese film talents to the UK audience, but also host panels with industry experts, scholars and filmmakers to boost creativity and exchange ideas. The curation of Odyssey revolves around diverse themes and genres. The screenings range from short films and features to new moving images by contemporary Chinese artists, demonstrating a pioneering and artistic spirit. Short film programs like Shanghai Animation Film Studio Retro attempt to break the boundaries between narrative and aesthetics and reimagine cinematography and visual art dimensions. In the feature film section, topics like Women Through Lens and Chinese regional cinema showcase the dynamics of Chinese society, culture, and aesthetics. All screenings will include a series of Q&As prepared by the curation team and special guests, including filmmakers, academics, curators and critics. Industry-focused panels were the festival's highlights last year, which have attracted over 500 participants. Now in its second year, rebranded Odyssey has prepared another 10 new industry topics, from global, global sustainability to new business models, from co-production to distribution, from regional cinemas to female film programmers. All subjects are the leading visions and will help explore film-related collaborations between UK and Greater China. The opening film screening event will be hosted in person by the Picturehouse Cinemas in London and Edinburgh on the 10th of May with a reception. The festival program will bring about a whole month of Chinese cinema from the 10th of May to the 10th of June 2022, with more than 60 films in eight curated sections, 10 panel discussions and Q&A sessions. Outstanding, innovative and inspiring. These films promise to add some sparkle to 2022. Most of the program will be available online for all audiences across the country. And several prop-up special cinema screenings will come up throughout the festival. The online festival platform of Odyssey will be powered by Shift72, a leading streaming technology that has been used by renowned international festivals such as Cannes and Toronto. Okay, so our film program, right? A little bit of overview. The opening film will be Hard Love. This is a UK premiere. The opening film, Hard Love, centers on the wave of single girls. It discusses social hotspots like love, marriage, family, work, and childbirth, which today's youth are most concerned about spanning eight cities, including Shanghai, Beijing, Xi'an, 
San Francisco and Phu Kwai Island. This documentary offers a group portrait of Chinese single women within a de delicately designed 97 minutes. Modern single women are also a heated topic for young people in the UK. Based on this mutual concern, this opening film shall go beyond the national boundary and bring audiences together. So that will be playing at 7.30 on the 10th at Picture House Fulham. Okay, so you've got pop-up special cinemas. Um, with these, we'll have films like Lan Yu, a classic that has come through the decades of critics. Lan Yu is one of the best gay films that China has ever produced. The film is not driven by homosexuality. It is a story about love. Its storytelling captures the arc of two souls and the visodicity of Beijing over a decade. This 20th anniversary 4K restoration version brings its 90s tonality to life to the fullest. That will be playing on the 12th at the Prince Charles Cinema. Uh, then there's River of Salvation. This is a UK premiere. First favorite UK, uh, River of Salvation unfolds a down-to-earth portrait of life in a small town in southern China with a meticulous, meticulous narrative. Narrative structure and its last six minutes reversal, the script draws enormous emotional power from the deeply buried history of millions of ordinary women and their everyday struggles. This plays on the 17th of May, 7.30 at Picture House, Finchery Park. There's going to be some short films playing, such as Neo Horizon. Right, the festival has curated this screening and award category called Near Horizon. The audience award, our audience will have the opportunity to review and select films which will be nominated for this award. The curation team of Odyssey have selected six outstanding short films from all 123 submissions for this award. These refreshing and reflective films explore a vast range of critical issues facing our society today and transport viewers explore the unique relationship between place, city and an individual in a mysterious cinematic world. Right, there's an exploration. This section consists of 29 award-winning short films, highlights the different genres, themes, and aesthetics of 20th century China's cinema. Ranging from atmospheric shorts to incisive documentaries, this section begins with a slice of contemporary Chinese sci-fi before delving into musical productions in inventive animations, and the comedy drama, dramas about cross-cultural misunderstandings. The section features a schoolgirl with a 
genius IQ, a drummer who finds inspiration in an ancient bathhouse, and a hard-of-hearing boy desperate to pursue his dancing dreams. The directors defy tackle, definitely tackle serious social issues, including sex trafficking and the SARS outbreak, alongside subtle character studies. There's the Galaxy Artists Moving Image. This is a must-watch experimental film program spotlighting innovations in the moving image, breaking the boundaries between film, text, and art creation. These films roam in their own artistic galaxy and are all the cutting edge of Chinese experimental cinemas. The abstract concepts that drive the galaxy are no less exciting as the creators channel questions of cognition and perception through images of war, blindness, and light itself. These selected moving images represent the thrilling point of which film and visual art meet, creating a groundbreaking medium for euphorical expression. And then there will be Shanghai Animation Film Studio Retro. This retrospective program is in itself second edition, supported by Shanghai Animation Film Studio. This section will be screened online from the 20th to the 26th of May. By looking back at classic Chinese animation, such as Little Carp Jumps Over the Dragon Gate, and the little stream from the 1960s, Nine Colored Deer and the Dev Deer's Bell from the 1980s, now in 2K restoration. This section offers UK audiences the opportunity to enjoy animated films in different eras and art styles while learning about the history of Chinese animation. There will also be um, feature films on uh, online. So the emerging waves. Right, this section pays special attention to the new generations of independent art house and documentary productions from the 12th of May to the 19th of May. Six innovative and inspiring films will be shown in this section in offline and online formats. Lan Yu 4K Restoration, which is one of the best gay films that China have ever produced, will be shown on the 12th of May. Another award-winning title, River of Salvation, will be shown on the 14th. Apart from these special offline screenings, four additional films will be shown online via Shift 72, from the 13th of May, Being Mortal reproduces the bitterness of life by depicting an Alzheimer's patient's family. The fourth wall creatively uses the parallel universe as a narrative technique to discuss how to reconcile which family with family, society, and ourselves. Black Tide Coast follows a poetic style aiming to depict 
abstract emotions, ideas, and feelings beyond the control of images. And the arc utilizes documentary images to recall the complicated relationships between individuals and society, science, and religion. Women through the lens. This section focuses on women's life experiences, which will be screened online from the 27th of May to the 2nd of June. This section currently consists of seven films. Wind expresses the plight of single mothers and daughters from ethnic minorities in a patriarchal society. Lum Conquers All shows an ambivalent intimate relationship that can conquer as well destroy everything. Springtide portrays a mother-daughter relationship of two generations in which both warmth and comf confirmation are intertwined. One summer through the eyes of the protagonists to reflect many social issues arising in China today including marriage, education, urban development, and a political system. And finally, Chang Yi draws on the classic Chinese myth of Chang's, Chang Yi running to the moon to create an iconic and compassionate mirror metaphor between the unearthly fairy and the exhausted 55-year-old factory worker. Only You Alone takes us on a journey through the struggles of a young girl with epilepsy, trying to realize her dream of dancing. We are also honored to have Ji Fei's Girl from Human with us, which is a pioneering work from the 1980s that reflects on on and critiques the tragic situation of women trapped in feudal traditional marriages. So, people, as you can see, there is a lot happening. But, as mentioned, there are also discussion panels. So, the panel one, Twin Flame, the reception of British cinema among a Chinese audience. Um, panel two, virtual production and potential impact on film co-production. Uh, panel three, women's practice in the contemporary Chinese film industry, female film programmers on the rise. Panel four, potentials and obstacles for British cinema showcase in China. Panel five, Chinese original cinema. Panel six, global sustainability as a storytelling strategy for non-Hollywood films. Panel seven, future development of Chinese animation industry and international collaboration. Panel eight, an investigation into current press coverages of Chinese language films in the UK. Panel nine, New business ideas and models for UK-China film collaborations. And panel 10, new distribution strategies for Chinese films in the UK. So, 
there is a lot going down at Odyssey, people. And it all starts on the 10th of May. So, this isn't one to be missed, right? Now, we've got all the links and information in the episode in info, you know, as we do. So, make sure you go check it out because, you know, do you really want to miss a month-long extravaganza like Odyssey? Okay, people, so let's start things off with a short film adaptation and um, a new joint from Amazon Studios. It is time for Emergency. Okay, so there's a new film from Amazon Studios, just hit Prime, right? It is called Emergency. And yeah, I, I this one's gonna be difficult, right? Because I I feel I it's how I wanna talk about this film, right? Because you don't want to be disrespectful. But I think it played possibly different for me to how it might play to other people. You feel me? So let's, uh, yeah, let's get into this shit, all right? So it is directed by Carrie Williams, right? And written by K.D. Davilia. Um, now, they'd already made a short version of this film in 2018. So, uh, yeah, that got some... It won awards, right? The, the script from De Villiers, um, Yeah, supposedly that was on the blacklist. You know what I mean? I think when you say it was on the blacklist, that doesn't necessarily always sound like, oh, that was good. But no, she, she got mad love for the script. Everyone was, like, supposedly talking about it. Amazon Studios picked it up. You know what I mean? So now they made a feature version. Okay. So, um, producing the film, uh, we've got Isaac Klusner, uh, John Feishner, and Marty Bowen. Executive producing is Kim Coleman, Paulo Davis, and Joanna Denton. Co-production from uh, uh, Joaquin C. Rose. Joaquin? I, I, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that first name. Um, but, yo, they know who they be. Music is from Rene G. Boschio. Cinematography is Michael Dolator. Um, it's edited by Lam T. Nugent. Casting was Kim Coleman. Uh, production design is Jeremy Woodward. Wood, woo. Jeremy Wood. <sighs> Jeremy Woodward. Um, art direction is Ryan Sabarata. Set decoration is Semret Fesher. 
costume design is icy white. Uh, now our cast. Okay, so we have got RJ Siler playing Sean, the role he played in the short version of the film. Now you also have um, Sean's best friend Kunle, who is played by Donald Les Watkins. Um, their flatmate, friendish Carlos, played by Sebastian Chahon. Um, then we have got Emma. A.K.A. Goldilocks, played by Maddie Nichols. Uh, we have got, um, yeah, her sister Maddie, played by Sabrina Carpenter, and her friend Alice, played by Madison Thompson. Uh, we also have got... Hmm. Who is ah oh, yes, Carlos's cousin Leo, played by just as Amar. <laughs> I'm sure Amar has got a surname, but uh yeah, that, that's all we're getting. That's all we're getting. Um there's also uh yeah, the lecture at the beginning, um, I think that's Karen. Um, no, that's Professor Clark, played by Nadine Lowington. Um, there's Bianca, played by Gillian Rabin, and Asa, played by Summer Madison. Okay, so, yeah, I think that is, yeah, I feel that's it. Right, I, 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 yeah, I think that is, hmm, the gist, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that is the main cast. Um, mm, no, actually, Carlos's cousin is Raphael who is played by Diego Abraham. Yes. I think that's right. Yeah. I might be wrong. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> My memory sucks. <laughs> anyway, here is the synopsis on the Amazon Studios website, because a lot of the other ones are kind of shit. This one is kind of long, but eh, fuck it. We're going to go with it. Right, so Kunle and his best friend Sean are both seniors in college about to embark on an epic night of spring break parties. Sean has the whole night planned out, including every party they will hit on their legendary tour. Kunle is down, yet mostly concerned with finishing up his mold experiment in his lab as his acceptance to Princeton is hinging on the results. They return to their apartment to pregame, yet find that their roommate Carlos left the door open. As they enter with trepidation, Sean and Kunle discover a drunk, semi-conscious white female they don't know on the floor 
and an oblivious Carlos who didn't hear her come in over the video game blaring in his ears. Kunle wants to call the cops, but Sean vehemently opposes the idea, concerned how it will look when the cops show up. Two black men, one Latino man, and a passed out white woman. Together, Carlos, Sean, and Kunle load the girl, um, who they nicknamed Goldilocks, into Sean's van with the intention of taking her somewhere safe rather than calling the police. Meanwhile, Emma's sister, Maddie, has realized that Emma left a party they were at and begins to search for her in a drunk panic using Emma's phone's location. What ensues is a chaotic, hilarious and tension-filled chase all over town as our trio grapples with their differences while attempting to bring Emma to safety. So that is the film. And in that statement, right, where it's like, um, yeah, they hilarity ensues. I think that's one of the big things here, right? Because, I mean, the film is sold as a comedy, right? It then gets, well, it starts off wild, like, it starts off with this crazy shit, and it then ends with, like, this heaviness, and I'm a bit like, yo, if you, like, that's fine, right, if you're just straight up drama, right, but if you're saying you're making a comedy, I feel that there's other ways of approaching the the two ends of the film, right? I, I feel you could have started off a little bit. Like, if you wanted to cover what they covered, you could, but it could have been done in a more hilarious way if, that you know, the intention is a comedy. And then with the end, again, it, it, it could have injected a bit more into it. But if it's a straight drama, that's fine. But like the beginning, so they're in class. Well, we have them walking to class, talking um, about, you know, this legendary thing and, you know, girls and, you know, just all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, Kunle being a little white, just, right, there's a lot of this shit. And then when they're in class, the lecturer is like, oh, remember, there was a trigger warning on today's lesson. So if you're all fine, let's get started. No one says anything. And then she's like, what do we feel about the N-word? <laughs> right? And I'm like, okay. Now, yeah, all this safe space, you know, trigger is, I feel it's bullshit, Right? But the thing that made the beginning a little weird was the way the lecturer kept saying the word. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and when I say she kept saying the word, it's not like you know, if you're teaching that class, fine. And yes, you might say it more than once. But when I say the way she said the word, there's there there seemed to be a glee 
right? It, it was super weird, right? It was just saying it with this like, ooh, in the kind of voice, you know what I mean? Which was just like, aren't you meant to be a lecturer, right? If, if, if we're looking at these things objectively and being like, yo, you know what I mean? This is in the ether, right? Now, why do people want to say this word, right? Why is it that, you know, people of different demographics want to say this word? You know what I mean? Why, why do we have these arguments about people wanting to say the fucking word? Right? If you want to break it, yeah, you'd break it down. It would be in, you know, in that kind of analytical approach. You wouldn't be like being like, okay, I'm just going to say this word. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that was super fucking weird. Now, if you're trying to say something um, in, in frame it in that way, fine. But say something, right? Because Whatever you might have been trying to say, I don't think it was overly clear, right? I don't think it was overly clear. Now, there's assumptions you can make about it, which is fine. But, you know what I mean? Either be clear or just don't have that bit, right? Now, you could have, you know, all the lead up to, and then the... Hey, so what do you feel about the cut to them leaving and being like, Yo, what the fuck was that? Right? Could have done that. Didn't do that. Then, you know what I mean? Having the girl come out after them and be like, oh, that was weird. Blah, 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 blah. Which is like, eh. I mean, that one was all a bit, yeah, it's all a bit weird. All a bit weird. Now, it, it, it's, it's like when we get into the whole scenario of finding the girl, right? Well, I mean, even before that, some of the conversations between Sean and Kunle, like, now, Sean made some poignant points about certain subjects. But then on the flip, some of the shit was getting said that you, you'd be like, no one's saying that, right? Or saying it in that way. Or using those words, like, yeah, we, there was some weird shit there. And then, yeah, when they found the girl. Now, Sean does say, no one told you, like, no one was forcing you not to do the thing. You decided not to do it on your own, which I felt that was a point to make. And then I like the fact that Alice... And Raphael, tell Maddie to shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, in a part of the film as well. Because I'm just like, yo. Someone not going to tell this girl to shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? So, I thought, don't, like, there was, that's the thing with this film, man. There's, there's parts that work. You know, I thought, oh, that was done well. Right? There's, the production of the film is great. Nice cinematography, some nice scenes. Like when we get these, um, they're not really flashbacks because it's kind of like, you know I mean, uh, visualizations of what might happen kind of thing. And it's just like in the parties, you know, with a slow motion walk down the stairs. Like, like that was all fly. That was done well. You know what I mean? So we have these scenes that, uh, I mean, it looks good. It, it's put together well. 
some good editing. But yeah, it, it's when they're trying to make certain points, that's when it gets a little clunky. Like the you know the whole Sean Kunley thing is you know is very stereotypical, right? Having Kunle, right, dressed how Kunle's dressed, you know, talking how Kunle's talking. Because it's just like, if you want to have, like, be like, oh, yeah, this dude is, like, really passionate about his studies and blah, blah, blah. It, it, it could have been someone dressed like Sean. Right, it doesn't mean like if you're just like Sean and you might smoke some weed and whatnot, you know what I mean? Doesn't mean you're not like into your studies and being like, yo, I'm gonna get into Princeton and I'm gonna do this and I'm looking after this, you know what I mean? I feel it would have been better if it was that way, but they make you know Kunle mad preppy, you know what I mean into white girls, you know what I mean, they're, they're, they're going mad stereotypical with this whole kind of Kunle, you know what I mean, characterization, and it's like, I feel, right, that, I don't know, man, like, because it might just be me, and, you know what I mean, like, growing up in certain places, right, but I feel like, Everyone knows, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things with the police. Be like, yo, you know what I mean? Like, yo, if you have to talk to the police, this is how you have to do it, right? You wouldn't do this thing and do this thing, right? They're like, there's just certain things that you would know. And then it's just like, if you find someone or you walk into a dodgy situation, putting your hands all over, yeah, that looks bait, right? If then you're getting fingerprints. But it, it, it's just like, you know, because we have technology used in this film, right? When they're trying to track Emma. So it's just like, yo, I'm going to make, I'm going to call. Because it's like, the police don't have to be, we're at the beginning when it's like, should we call the police? It's just like, wait, wait, wait. Shouldn't the question be, let's call an ambulance? You know what I mean? There was, a, there was no, like, yeah, let's call an ambulance and, and that will take her to, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to call the police. Now, the police would get called once they get to the hospital, right? But they, you, you know what I mean? But at that point, a lot of things would, most likely would have been addressed, Right? Because when you're looking at the supposed parallel stories at the beginning, right, when they realize Emma's missing and all of that, it feels like that was going on when they were finding her, kind of thing like that. So it, you would then think they would have gone to the hospital, they would have been like, oh, she's going to the hospital? Okay, let's meet. You know what I mean? So you feel that like, love that shit. It just would have been addressed, you know. So yeah, there was some weird shit at the beginning because no one mentioned the ambulance until it was like, oh well, let's take her to the hospital. When it's just like, call an ambulance, yo. You know what I mean? 
So yeah, that like there was these weird points because you're like, yo, story don't like things don't have to get to a certain point. Or it's just like again, there's ways to if you if your thing is right, we wanna we wanna tell the story about bias and all of this, you can still do that. But let, let, let's tweak this story. Let's like make it feel realer than what we're getting, you know? Because it, it, it just yeah, there was things that just like it just didn't necessarily make sense. Also, with the police chase, you you have like. If the police are trying to block someone in, right? Why would the police be where the second lot of police were? Because, like, technically, you would. There was no thinking that that's where they were gonna because they just turned, right? It wasn't like, oh, they're going in this direction. Let's put no. So it was like. The police shouldn't have been in that other place, right? That makes no sense. If you are thinking logically about, all right, this is where they're going. We don't know their end destination. So where we put in this second unit, you know what I mean? That was, yeah, it was, ah, it was odd. It was odd. And then at the end with the siren, I'm being like, yo, I get, right? You know what I mean? What you're trying to do, yeah, I kind of get it. But again, it was just a bit like, it's a bit OTT. It's a little OTT, man. Because, you know, look, there's shit that makes you paranoid, right? The first time I was gripped up and put up against the wall, you know what I mean? You're just thinking, yo, what the fuck is going on, right? So, yeah. When you, if you're somewhere and you see police, it's a bit like, yo, okay, I ain't got shit in my pockets, everything's cool, alright, now, don't make eye contact, just walk, don't run, blah, blah, blah. so you're thinking that in your head, but it's not like, <laughs> you know what I mean, and, and then, you know what I mean, it's still after many incidents, it's still not like, <gasps> now I'm frozen, now, obviously, things affect people in different ways. So, mm, fine. But it just felt a little OTT. You know what I mean? You know? But, listen. I will say, I will say this. I kind of feel, if you liked, um, I want to say it's The Hate You Give, right? I, I feel that's the name of the film, right? The Hate You Give. Right, I think the woman wrote um, on the come up or something like that. But yeah, if you enjoyed that film, this emergency plays in a similar fashion. So if you liked that, and that was a popular film, right? It's a popular book as well. So if you like that, I feel you would like this. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, like there's again, listen, this it plays different to me it might play different to you. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I know about it, really. But, yeah. Like, I didn't like the hate you give, right? And as I said, that was mad popular. So, you know, what do I know? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? What do I know? But yeah, that's just my thoughts, kids. That's just my thoughts. But it's it's now out on Prime Video, so you can you know what I mean you can check yourself, right? It's just um, what is it? It's just over two hours. You know, it's uh, yeah. Mm, no, it's just under two hours. Like, I yeah, maths. Woo, it's 105 minutes, right? So, yeah, just under two hours. But, yeah, people, there you go. Emergent. Next up, people, it's a new music documentary about um, the band that started off as the locals, ended up being the matches. People, it's very inventive. So, uh, yeah, people, sit back. And get ready for a bleeding audio. Yo, so this next one is bleeding audio. It's a music documentary. Kind of feel, I, I don't know. There's been a, you know, we're what? It's, it's just coming to the end of May, right? Already, I feel I've done more music documentaries this year than I did all of last year. I don't know, it's a crazy one. But uh, yeah, this is um, a new music documentary, and it is from director Chelsea Krista. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? She also produced the film. Um, Aaron Parsley... And Jeanette Bivona also produced. It's executive produced by Justine Cassidy and Stephen Wade. And it's about, well, the matches. <laughs> so, you know, Sean Harris, John Devoto, Matt Whalen, Justin Sansuki. You know what I mean? Um, the film also has appearances from some, you know, top producers like Nick Hexum, um, Mark Hopus. Um, we got Justin Courtney Pierre from Motion uh, City, Cass Cassidy Pope. Ali Tabatabi, um, and there's also Tom Higgerson from Plain White Tees featured in the thing. We see also like Biffy Cairo talking and uh, like, you know, a few other people, right? So it is this, um, yes, it's an interesting look, interesting look, people. Right, and the gist of the film is this, right? Bleeding audio is told through the eyes of quirky, charming, and humble bandmates, Sean, John, Matt, and Justin. Uh, it's an intimate portrait detailing the match's promising career, defeating breakup, and inspiring reunion as they reflect on what success truly means for musicians in today's digital industry. The match's story overlaps 
with drastic changes the music industry has undergone in the past several years. From declining record sales to excessive touring to illegal downloading and streaming, the documentary uses the match's history and recent reunion to dig deeper into the root of the challenges the average musician faces in the digital age of the industry and how artists can navigate their careers today. So, uh, yeah. There you go, people. There you go, right? And it is it is it, it's a really interesting piece because it's not your straight up kind of talking heads. Now we do have that thing, right, where you have the interviews with people and everyone's in a weird kind of location. You know what I mean? And you're just like, how did they decide, uh, we're going to speak to this person sitting on the side of a waterfall. There's no one sitting on the side of a waterfall, but you know what I mean, people. You know what I mean. But yeah, so we get that. But what really has this popping is the, the different styles of animation that is utilized to tell portions of the story, right? So even just small little things like, so we went to band practice and then you see like this van, like boo, 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 and then four, four little stick people jump in the van. Like sometimes, but then sometimes it's stick people. Sometimes it's like more in depth kind of things that actually look like the band mates themselves. So it's just the, these different styles of, uh, yeah, kind of right, multimedia animation, right? Because, it, yeah, you get, like, cutouts and plaster, plaster. Oh, it's cool now. You know what I mean? When it's kind of, like, plaster scene. Um, but, yeah, so, so we get all of this, and it's, it's really... Um, it's, it's got a charm to it, you know, it, it, it has you just in growth, because the story itself is interesting, right, there's no, like, uh, blah, 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 blah. no, the story itself is really interesting, but we've seen so many interesting documentaries that I think they can struggle at times to keep you, because all it is is someone sitting on a stool somewhere, right? And, and you're just like, I, I kind of need something else, some change here, right? But this one, it, it counters that with, you know, the, these different ways of telling these aspects of this whole thing, right? So, you know, it starts off with fans. Right, so we see all these these bands getting tattoos and just all of that. I mean, some of these tattoos aren't the best, you know what I mean? <laughs> some of these tattoos aren't the best, but yo, like someone who is you know willing to get that, you know what I mean, branded with this thing, there is something to that, 
right? Because it shows this level of devotion, right? This commitment. Now, sometimes, yeah, that can be fickle spark, right? How many people do you know that have got, like, uh, the name of a chick on uh, on them, or uh, you know, a name of a dude on them, and it'd be like, "Yo, who that?" It'd be like, "Oh, that was an ex." Oh yeah, or oh yeah, that was I got that to cover up the name of. So you know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't mean it's forever, but just the fact that you're getting it is something, right? And it's kind of funny as well when the band are like. Yeah, we, we don't really have tattoos. <laughs> you know what I mean? So having all these people get tattoos of our band or pictures of us, it's kind of odd. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah like we get these kind of interesting kind of insights and kind of little nuggets of information. So we start off with that, and then it kind of goes into this band, right? And the fact that they went on a tour... <laughs> they went on a fucking world tour before they even were kind of a proper band. Yeah, you know I mean they hadn't really they not released anything or but yeah, it all came about that this thing happened. Now you're gonna have to watch it to find out what the thing was, but yeah, so it, it goes from that to then them going, yo, this is what we want to do. And having these realizations and putting in the work to get to a place, right? And I think what I found crazy about this story is the fact that you can see this level of understanding in some respects. You know, when they're talking about, because they had these shows, I think they called it, what, L9s? I think it's L9s. It was L something, right? Um, these, like, because, you know, they struggle to get gigs. So it's just like, you know what, we're just going to do our own. So they found this guy that was had this thing, and then they put on these gigs, right? And doing that, right, that shows something. You know what I mean? That shows this understanding, as well as the fact when they were, you know, they were looking to get signed and, you know, it got to this level where everyone is, you know, people are hitting them up and they're like, yo, you've got to come and see one of these shows. That, that's huge, right? Because it's just like, they knew that this is where they feel comfortable, Right, they, 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 you have these people that these fans that come out to see them every time. There's this energy in the room. It's this thing, right? So they know that yo, this, oh, you will see who we really are here, right? Where some people will be like, oh, we we can come to you and and show you this stuff or oh we'll we'll, we'll send you a, a, a tape or no they they understood you know what encapsulated the best right so we we see all of these things and it's just like that's real i mean understanding that that early on that's crazy right that's big there's a lot of bands that you when you read and they didn't connect those dots 
didn't connect those dots at that early stage. So we have that. But then there's this other stuff that goes down and you're like, whoa, wait, how did you not know that? Right? It's a funny thing because, you know, I've always, man, just love music, right? So, you, you, you know, you listen to these interviews, you read these articles, just all of this stuff. So there's aspects of the music industry that I knew, right, that you're, you're not making money off album sales, right? Touring merchandise, that's where it's coming from. You know what I mean? Like, if, so, you know, someone, you know, if a label says, oh, we're going to give you a milli to record this video, they're not giving you shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? You owe them the money for that video, right? That's that's not like, oh, yeah, this is a freebie. No. Anything the label gives you, like, we're, we're going to send you here. We're going to put you up in these hotels. We're going to do... No, that's your paying for all of that stuff, right? So I knew that shit. So then when you hear, like, you know, the fact that they didn't realize some of this stuff, it's like, huh. That baffles me, right? Because it's like they knew this other stuff. They had this, you know, intuition around this, this, this the way they needed to be and these other aspects of the industry. But then these bits, nothing. So it, it, there's this kind of interesting dynamic around just everything that you're seeing and the journey these guys are going on. You know what I mean? Which, yeah, is very compelling. It's very compelling. Also, you know, they, their manager, Miles, who isn't interviewed and, ah, like, I don't, like, you know, it, who knows what happened, right? Was he available? Did he not want to do it? Like, what was the thing? But I feel it would have been so interesting to hear from Miles, because some of the stuff that happened is a little crazy, but it, 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 it doesn't benefit him. So it's just like, so why was that? Huh? Right. And so it would have been just real curious to try and get some insight into some of these things, because it's just like, yo, dude, like, what happened? What was going down? You know what I mean? And, and be like, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. And be like, okay, all right, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it would have been mad curious. Now, what I feel when they talk, you know, in the blurb, when it's like, yeah, you know, music downloads and everything like that, and, and these kind of things impacting the band, it did, but only because something i feel like it, it 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 only had this huge effect because of the thing that you learn later on in the documentary right if if everything was done how it should have been done you kind of feel that it wouldn't have been the same situation you know what I mean? so uh, yeah it, it's it's an interesting 
like experience, but you kind of feel uh, it could have been a lot smoother only if, right? Only if. Uh, like when I originally watched it, it was like, you know, I don't read the blurb. <laughs> right? My, my, my girl AJ sent it to me. And yeah, of course, right? You know, if AJ calls, you answer that call. And again, it's, a, you know, sent me a crazy, interesting one. I did fumble, man. I dropped the ball. I don't know how. Dropped the ball. Um, which is my bad. I apologize. Um, but you know what I mean? It's I forget what I was saying. Oh my gosh. My my memory is so fucked up lately, people. Oh my gosh. What the fuck was I saying? Huh. I I have no clue. But anyway. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's this crazy interesting thing, and you know, it, it's oh, that was it. I don't read the blurb, yeah. You, see, you know, I just I'll take I always take a look. So, I didn't realize that there'd been a reunion, but I think from the beginning, you figure there must be, there must be something more. Right, because I think some of the, the shots that we see early on, it, it, it kind of speaks to more, right? Because you're not doing, there's these certain things, I don't know, it's a certain look that you're getting. And it's just like, ah, like it, it makes no sense to do that if it ends with, like, we're no longer a band, you know? It, it will be interesting to, because, you know, reading all the, the blurb and all of that kind of jazz, like, so th this kind of happened a while back. So it, it, kind of interesting to kind of, you know, see where they might be now, right? If they're doing new music, just all of that kind of jazz, because it does seem that there is this audience for them, right? So when you have, Everyone at the beginning, like, ah, you know, the matches should have been bigger. They should have been. Like, will they be now? Right? I think mean, that's the kind of real interesting thing that, you, you know, you wonder from all of this. It's just like, it, it, if it wasn't achieved then, could it be now? You know? I do wish sometimes... Like when we have these sort of things and you have people going, oh yeah, like they they could have been this or they could have, if people could just elaborate a little on, right? The, the, like, why do you feel that? Right? Because we don't really, we get the statements, but we don't always really get the, the why. Why you feel, like what makes them more than some of the other people, right? What's that thing? So, yeah, I wish we, we get more elaboration on that. But, yeah, no, this is a, a, a very interesting, solid documentary. I do feel that Sean looks a bit like Will Wheaton. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it's just like, yo, that dude looks like Will motherfucking Wheaton, yo. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong. 
don't know. Don't li- don't listen to me. I can hardly see motherfuckers. You feel me? But anyway, yo, this yeah, this is solid, man. It is it is a, it's a solid documentary. Well worth the uh, well worth the look. You know what I mean? So you can pick it up on iTunes. Uh, there's the link in the information details. You know what I mean, and it's doing the festival circuit, all of that. And definitely, if you enjoy music documentaries, right? If you enjoyed, um, oh god, what was the one we we checked out just recently? Sound, it was Sound of Anarchy, right? I feel it was Sound of Anarchy. Um, but yeah, if you enjoyed that, right? If you enjoyed Tramps, if you enjoy just any, you know, Jesus music, any of these things that we've looked at. I think mean, you're definitely, you're definitely going to dig bleeding audio, right? I kind of feel, the, you know, there's a kind of green day-ish, you know what I mean? Just in the lines of all those sort of bands. So if you like that music, yeah, you'll want to, you want to check this out, all right? So yeah, bleeding audio, people, well worth the listen, well worth the check, and a hey, very inventively put together. So props to everyone involved. Okay, people, and we are going to end things with this one because boy, it's a fucking great one, people. Now I had my doubts, I had my doubts, but I was not let down, people. I hope you're ready because we are bringing you a thoughts on Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, people. So just back. Just back from Top Gun maverick and oh oh my gosh people people now hey i will say right straight out the gate i wasn't sure what the fuck this was gonna be you know what i mean like this thing we're talking about this back in 2010 Right. And we'd heard rumblings even before that. You know what I mean? Like maybe. But when you think of all the sequels, right, and continuations that we've had, how many of those have been good? I now I'm thinking there may have been one, right? But as of right now, I cannot think of any. Right. Total Recall was just terrible. Robocop stunk. You know what I mean? It is every, like, point fucking What? Every time they try, it's horrible. It's horrible, right? They try to do, you know, an action in The Expendables. Horrible, right? And there's something about it, right? Because 
one thing also that they usually do, they make these new versions super serious, you know? And so we lose all the charm and just everything that made the original so frigging good. You know what I mean? It's just like, ugh, what is going on? So, yeah, when um, this was, you know, first skirted, it, uh, it's just like, oh, man, just leave things alone. Also, like, it was hard to try and think, where would they go? Where would they go with a story? But as, you know what I mean, this day got closer and closer, it's just like, you know what? Go see Top Gun, son. And so, yeah, had a little date night, went and saw the old film. You know what I mean? It is uh, directed by Joseph Kosinski, who I do believe, right, he directed, um, uh, I I believe he directed, there was that sci-fi film, um, you know, with Tom Cruise, I believe he directed that. That's not helpful because <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's just like, yeah, there was a film, and I believe he did, but yeah, I, I you know, what I mean, I, I think that's the case. I may be wrong, but yeah, no, I believe they'd worked together, so he directed it. It was well, the story was from Peter Craig and Justin Marks. But after Tony Scott died, Kaninsky, when he came on board, he, um, yeah, decided to, you know, change the story up. Um, so this new version is from Kaninsky, Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie. The, um, you know, the film is produced by McQuarrie and Jerry Brockheimer, along with um, Cruz and David Ellison. It is executive produced by Dana Goldberg, Don Granger, Tommy Harper, Chad Orman, and Mike Stenson, and associate produced by Emily Chong. Music is from Lorne Balf. All right, but you know, people, you know, right? They, they, we got the, the, the classic songs and everything like that. There's some Hans Zimmer in there, right? Yeah. It, it, it does what it needs to do, you know what I mean? Cinematography is Claudio Miranda. It's edited by Eddie Hamilton. Casting was Denise Charman. And, yeah, she she really did a good job with that. Production design was Jeremy Hindle. Um, and our cast. Yeah, our cast, man. Boy, right? So, obviously, old Tommy Cruise is back. It's Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. We've got Val Kilmer as Admiral Tom Iceman Kaczynski. 
And then um, Jennifer Connelly's back as Penny Benjamin, you know? Um, yeah. And with that, we got a new, a new lot of people. We've got, um, yeah, Penny's daughter, Amelia, played by Liliana Ray. Um, and Iceman's wife, Sarah, played by Jean Louisa Kelly. But we've got um, Ed Harris as uh, Rear Admiral Chester Hammer-Kane. Um, we have got Raymond Lee as Lieutenant Logan Yale Lee. We have Jake Picking as Lieutenant Brigham Harvard Lennox. Have Greg Tarzan Davis as Lieutenant Javi Coyote Machado. Have Kara Wang as Lieutenant Kelly Halo Bassett. Manny Jancinto as Lieutenant Billy Fritz Avalon. Have Jack Shoemaker as Lieutenant Neil Omaha Vikander. Glenn Powell is Lieutenant Jack Hangman Cerizion. Danny Ramirez is Lieutenant Mickey Fanboy Garcia. Jay Ellis is Lieutenant Ruben Payback Fitch. We got Lewis Pullman as Lieutenant Robert Bob Floyd. <laughs> Monica Barbaro is Lieutenant Natasha Phoenix Trace. Charles Parnell is Admiral Solomon Warlock Bates. John Hamm is Admiral Bo Cyclone Simpson. We got Bashir Salahuddin as Bernie Hondo Coleman. And Miles Teller as Lieutenant Bradley Rooster Bradshaw. So, yeah, there you go, people. And the gist of the film is this set. 36 years since the events of its predecessor. The film follows Maverick, who actively attempted to dodge the advancement in rank that would crown him. However, his career ends up taking him back to the United States Navy Strike Fighter Tactics Instructor Program. <sighs> no wonder they shortened it to Top Gun. <laughs> where he has to confront his past as he is charged with training a new squadron of fighter pilots. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go, right? And as I said, look, these films that try to bottle the magic again, 
they go mad serious. But Top Gun knew what it was. It knew what it was. And boy, oh my gosh, it, it, it didn't Icarus, man. It didn't Icarus. And if you don't know your Greek mythology, shame on you. Like it didn't fly too close to the sun. It didn't burn. It didn't fuck up, right? It, it it kept the charm of the eighties. Really did, right? There's there's moments in the screen. Everyone was laughing, man. Everyone's laughing. I think I broke my girl's hand. I'm holding. I'm just gripping it so hard. You know what I mean? There's, there's these moments of tension, and you're like. <gasps> You know what I mean? And then just like, whoa, it takes you on that roller coaster, man. It, it really does. Like, just these, the, the, they got these little one lilas in there. There's a moment he's just like, where am I? And the kid looks at him and goes, Earth? <laughs> oh, man. Wait, wait, trust me, when you get to that scene, right? And it's just like, what is he at? Mac eight. He's, he's, he's pushing it. He's pushing. And you're just like, oh fuck. Oh fuck. Right? You you just get so invested in the film. Matt, like, yo, they did it right. They really did. Honestly, people, this is not hyperboil, but this was fucking awesome. It really was. It was just like. The story makes sense. And I like what they do with the story because it's not going to age, right? That, that's the beautiful thing about what they did. Like, the story technically won't get dated, you know what I mean? By weird references or anything like that. So that's pretty fly. But, yeah, you, you think the mission makes a lot of sense. Right. Then you're one. Why is he there? All of that gets kind of broken. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And I see that makes sense. Makes sense. You know, and so they bring in right this diverse cast now of the new generation of pilots. But it, it didn't feel like hey, we're ticking boxes here. We're ticking boxes. It, it was fine. It was cool. It was, you know, what I mean, it works. Right now, hangman, <laughs> hangman, and rooster, right? Trace, too. Like, it says these, the way they kind of play with these characters, you know, there's times when you're like, God, like, why is he doing this? Like, that, that makes no sense, right? They're meant to be working to do the like, why? Right, and it's not because it's just bad, but because you're so invested, and it's just like, yo, come on, man, come on, pull it in, like, stop fucking around. You know what I mean? You 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 find yourself like that, right? And that's only because the film is doing what it needs to do, right? There's these these moments where you know what has to happen right you know where the story has to go right we are 
the breadcrumbs are kind of easy to follow. You know what I mean? This is some Hansel and Gretel shit. Before the birds come and ate that shit up, you follow these breadcrumbs, right? It's just obviously, okay, so we're going to have to have a bit where this happens because everything is, you know, they're dropping these references and saying this thing. So we're going to have to have this thing, right? And every time... They they just do something slightly different. They just pivot it. You know what I mean? Pivot it. So what you get isn't quite what you expected. And that, ah, done very well. Done very well. Because you get these payoff moments. But then you also get, like, more story. And so you're just like, yo, you're super invested, super invested, you know, it's just over two hours to about 2.10 and didn't feel long, right? Didn't feel long. I mean, you're just rooted all the way through, rooted all the way through because you want to know like, oh shit, so where are they going to take, how are they going to do this? What's going to happen? Man, yo, they killed it. They really killed it. If you like the first one, you're going to love this. You're going to love it. Now, you know, we were thinking, we are like, yo, let, let's uh, watch the first one. Picked it up on Apple. But, you know, I mean, time and schedule gets in the way. And then we, yesterday, it was like, should we? And it was just like, you know what? Nah. Nah. Because I think if we if we watch the first one, right, I think it, it sets too many precedents because you're gonna be watching it and you might be like, oh, that seems similar to that, or they're doing something like that, or oh, but in that first film, they said that. So how is that right? You don't get bogged down in any of that, just going in fresh, right? They make references for sure, but nothing where you'd be like, I don't get it, I can't follow the film. No, because, uh, you know, the most poignant references and things like that, they they kind of explain it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you don't have to watch the first to enjoy this. But, yeah, going to go back and watch the first. And I would watch this. I would watch Maverick again, for sure. For sure. It's that good. Right, and there's so many. There's a lot of good films where I'd be like, "No, I'm done. That was enough. I loved it, but I'm done." This, I would watch this again. It was so fucking fun. It was so fun. So, people, if if you were on the fence, if you were, I mean, an erring, wondering, should you, shouldn't you? I'm telling you now, people, if you enjoyed Top Gun, then Maverick is gonna fucking take you. Into the atmosphere. Trust me. Trust me. It's gonna give you all those emotions. It's a little roller coaster ride, but when it's done, people, when it's all said and done, your ass is gonna be smiling like a motherfucker. So, yes, Top Gun Maverick, it is out officially from Friday. So um, yeah, people, people. Go enjoy your some shit, right? Go enjoy it, man, because you're gonna.
<laughs> you are gonna. Yes, people. So, as we draw to a close, right? Great films. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I definitely feel a... Hey, Right, so bleeding audio, real interesting, and definitely if you like music, um, you know what I mean, documentaries, and yo, Top Gun, <sighs> yo, they really didn't drop the ball, right? This was it's people, people, trust me, right? You need to go see it. As if you enjoyed the first one, you are going to really dig this right no pandering it just delivers on every fucking level trust me but before we bounce let's take a little bit of a look at what's going on in the film industry now not much news this week oh much news i wanted to bother talking about but here we go okay so we know George Miller is um, making a prequel on Mad Max Fury Road. This one looking at the Furiosa character, right? Which, you know, is the, I feel the name of that film. <laughs> um, you know, Furiosa. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, you know, revealed that Tom Holkenborg, right, will be back. He scored um, Fury Road. He scored 3,000 Years of Longing. And, uh, yeah, he is also going to be scoring Furiosa, right? So um, there you go. You know what I mean? If you if you enjoy his work, then hey, you're gonna get some more of it, people. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's, it's an interesting time, right? So it's Sony, um, you know, they're you know they're doing a lot of stuff with PlayStation, right? We heard they're gonna be porting a lot more games across to PC, but we also know. They're um, licensing their their their, their uh, you know games for the big and small screen, right? Uncharted, that did big things, and they've also announced some other ones, right? So we've got Horizon Zero Dawn going to Netflix, God of War going to Amazon. And word came that they're also doing a Gran Turismo um, adaptation. Now, because the other two are TV series, I think everyone was thinking that and wondering, okay, which streamer has landed that? Well, it's not a TV series. Gran Turismo is going to be a film. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if the the thinking is right with with um, Fast and the Furious coming to a close, right? That we need another car franchise to step into the void. Uh, that might be it. 
who the fuck knows, right? But word is that they are looking at um um oh what's homie's name? Um Neil Bloomcamp, right? They're looking at Neil Bloomcamp to direct that film, which it's an interesting one, right? Because Blue Camp, D- District 9, right? Elysium, both sci-fi films. So I wonder where they were like, yo, is going to be the one to do this thing about cars. Unless maybe it's going to be a sci-fi car film. But I feel it's just a racing car thing, right? But who the fuck knows? But that's what's happening. That's all I can say. That's what's happening, people. Um, some other news. Like, it's funny. Christopher Lloyd has been popping up all over the shop of late. And, uh, yeah, he's landed a new role, right? He's going to be in um, Nan- Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, right? It's also starring... Um, Simon Pegg, Man, I forgot homie's first name. Simon Pegg and Mini Driver, right? So it's actually based on a real life um, psychoanalyst, author and journalist, right? Who, was, I didn't know this, but supposedly he was like people that see ghosts and hauntings, that could be as a, a result of unresolved mental tension. Which never heard that, but it's kind of interesting. But yeah, no, so they're um yeah, they are doing this film, right? Um yeah, I know man. So it's based in the Isle of Wight, Isle of Man, even. I mean, what is two? Isle of Wight and Isle of Man. They're both kind of, you know, they're islands. <laughs> they're islands of the UK, right? You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's written by Adam Siegel. Uh, and he also directs, right? So uh, yeah, there you go. Um, now, right, she was in the recent Ghostbusters Arse Life, right? And Celeste O'Connor is joining another kind of franchise, right? Kind of a franchise. This is within a franchise, right? But yeah, so she's joining the Madam Web film at Sony. Um, was Ghostbusters at Sony? It might have been, right? I forget. Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, she's um, yeah, she's joined the cast. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, so what have we got? We got Madam Web is uh, I think Dakota Johnson's playing Web, right? Um yeah. So I don't know, man, it's gonna be interesting. It's um being directed by SJ Clarkson, um and Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless are um, handling writing duties. And let's go um, to a close on this one, right? So, uh, yeah, they are making a new Garfield film. <laughs> it's animated. 
<laughs> oh shit. Oh man. Um so yeah, they're doing that. Uh you know, Chris Pratt is gonna be the voice of Garfield, right? Um yeah. Um you've got his owner John Arbuckle and his friend Odie. Right. Also, um, in the film is going to be Samuel L. Jackson. Now he's voicing a character called Vic, right? Who is Garfield's dad? Right. It's a new character, but it's just like, yeah, we. I don't think we ever came across Garfield's fucking dad. Or if we come across his dad, what about his mum? Where's his mum at? Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, that's what's happening. It's a bit odd. Because Garfield isn't young, young. So you'd be like, the dad be dead, right? Wouldn't the dad be dead? Oh no. Right. You know, either way though, cat dads don't necessarily stick around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> so um yeah mark dindle is directing the piece um and david reynolds wrote the screenplay so uh yeah there you go people there you go that is this week's fodor hope you enjoyed um go check out the films all the information blah 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 is in the um you know webpage notes so yeah go go check that share with your peoples and um i feel we've got a fat one next week i believe there's a few things that need to be covered so uh yeah um yeah people <laughs> until fucking next week stand up <laughs>